0: Good morning, Lord. Thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you that it warmed up a tad. That's pretty good. Uh, I ask you, Lord, to help us today to not just honor you, but to pursue you. To just hunger for Papa. To to desire to know you, to know what you're like, to know that you care, to step into your love, but your power, your Your goodness, but your justice. Your mercy, but also your wrath. Help us to wrap our hearts around all of that. Help us to know our God for who He really is and not who we imagine Him to be. Help us to wake up every day as followers of Jesus Christ, learning who God is through what Jesus has revealed. And that be the primary pursuit of our days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat or keep standing. I don't care. We're in the park, man. Do your thing. So uh, I'm going to need a stand here because I got large print notes today. I was just going to yank it real hard, Steve. So the guy in the white shirt, you may know him as Steve, Pastor Steve, Brother Steve, Most Holy Reverend Father of the Stevenness. So all you guys are getting baptized. He's going to be down at the river after the final prayer. So line up on him, wherever he is. If he's up a pole, just climb the pole. If he's on a truck, whatever he is, just line up on Steve, okay? And then uh, Tucker and Austin are going to help me not lose anyone in the river, which will be so much better than last year. All right. <laughs> just kidding. Just want to make all the folks getting baptized nervous. All right. It's working. Good job. By the way, the water's cold. You probably knew that, right? You know, today's a good day to be baptized. It's a good day to be baptized. One one of the things I love about the Bible and I love about God is God is all about today. He loves today. He always talks about today. Today's the day to make a good choice. Today's the day to take a good stand. Today's the day to step out and follow. Today's a good day. And so that's what we're looking at today, step into the water today, and we're going to look at the story of a guy who had a hard time getting to God, and I think that's going to be incredibly relevant, because I believe we live in a day, and age, and in a world where it's really hard to get to God. It's hard to hear from God, it's hard to uh, wrap our heads around not only what God is like, but what is God really doing for us, and what does He want to do for us, and what can He do to help us? And then on the other side of that, what does he want from us? What should we do to encounter God? And when, as I think about things like this, one of, the, one of the great ideas that I have really wrestled with in the last few years is what would life be like? What would my life be like? What would your life be like if you didn't have the access to Jesus that you have? And what I mean by that is what if you grew up, and, and maybe you did, I'm, I'm sure that That some of you grew up in homes that God was not only not a priority but maybe he was just not appreciated at all or not believed in maybe you grew up in a a a family that was atheistic or agnostic or worse and 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 so what though if you grew up or your background didn't give you access to Jesus what if no one told you about Jesus what if like so many people in Sweetwater County today, every Sunday when you got out, you drove by a church, and you saw the cars around the building, you wondered, I wonder what they do in there. That just looks weird. And they're right. It's weird, right? You're afraid to laugh because you're outside. It's okay. I'm still going to make you laugh. Anyway, so <laughs> what if what if you that was you? What if you didn't know what this was about? What if and maybe that's you, you're here today, and you've never wrapped your head around it, what we do is weird. What if people were trying to keep you from coming to Jesus? They didn't want you to have access to Jesus, maybe because of where you grew up, your station in life. Maybe it's poverty, maybe it's wealth, maybe it's your family, maybe it's a disability or even an injury. What if there were people that looked at you, and the very presence of you, they determined you didn't deserve to get to God? You didn't deserve to know about Jesus Christ. What if you just had no idea what to believe? Because that's most of the world today. Most of the world doesn't have a clue what to believe about God, what the deal is with Jesus, what Christians are either so excited about or so mad about, depending on the ones you know, (laughs) right? We must never For every believer that's out here today, if you're not a believer, you can ignore this next minute or two. We must never take the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news for granted. We we can never do that. There's that old hymn, you know, those who know the story best, love it the most, and that's not exactly how it goes, but my brain isn't pulling it up at the moment because my brain is older than my body. (laughs) There's a problem in the world that to everybody else who doesn't believe is a joke. And that problem is a thing called sin. And there is no excuse for sin. There's... No good thing about sin or sinfulness. And the best that people have been able to figure out in the world is either to excuse sin and say that, you know, everybody does it, so it must be okay. Or they take it and wear it as an identity. That's not the sin. It's not a wrong thing I do. It's just who I am. And they begin to call themselves names like addicts and perverts and failures and all of these things. And they wear this... This thing that the Bible calls sin, that is the cause of every problem in the world, they wear it like a name tag. And that is not who you and I are. The good news is about sin's removal and forgiveness. It's about sin's removal and forgiveness. Jesus came to save us not condemn us. It's so wonderful because He had every reason as the Son of God to condemn us. But that was not His mission. That was not His plan. And so Jesus came to save. The thing is, though, one of the greatest problems that, that I think bears upon the good news, the gospel about Jesus Christ today, is that often we attend to value things according to what they cost us personally. Because it appears that the gospel is free, but it's not free. Wherever there is a gift, there is a giver who paid the price for the gift. And when we think about the good news or the gospel of Jesus Christ, we need to realize that the cost to to repent of your sins, to follow Jesus Christ, is overwhelming, but the cost fell on Jesus Christ, God's Son. It costs God dearly. And so today, and every day, and every two-day, we have a choice to make. Every one of us has a choice to make about following God and waking up and pursuing Him. So today I want to look at a guy who had real problems getting to God, and I'm going to read a story out of Acts, not Aches, that's not in the Bible. That's in my back, but that's not in the Bible. Out of Acts chapter 8, I don't have slides for you today, so you can pull up on your phone. You can trust me. I don't recommend that, but you can follow along. Let me read you a few verses out of Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 29. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah, and Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of Scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So, beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And they rode along, and they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went into the water, and Philip baptized him. The Ethiopian eunuch. What a story. You can applaud. That's the Word of God. I I didn't write it. All I do every week is give you a book report on the same book. That's all I do. (laughs) When I look at the eunuch, I see a guy who wanted to get to God, but he couldn't. The story, there's so much packed in it that it's a little hard to see on the first view. Obviously, he was from Ethiopia. He had traveled 1,500 miles to Jerusalem. Now, I live 1,400 miles from my family back home, and I've driven it several times. It's a grueling journey. But, you know, he didn't have a Ford pickup like I do, the most reliable truck on earth. (laughs) He had to travel by boat. He had to travel by camel. He had to travel by carriage. 1,500 miles, this guy came from Ethiopia, ancient Ethiopia, and traveled to Jerusalem. That's a long way to go to find God. I don't know many people who would even go across town to find God. This guy was hungry to find God. And and what had happened was, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament that uh, the Queen of Sheba came and visited Solomon, and she spent some time with him. And we, uh, we conclude from that that he influenced her with his faith in some way, when she went back to Ethiopia, she took some of that faith there and it progressed. That was like a thousand years before in their country. And, and so here this eunuch this came. He wants to learn about the God that he had heard about. And I should also add, which isn't really part of the message, so it's totally free, that at the end of the message, I mean, at the end of the, I'm sorry, my wife was leaving. I didn't remember cracking a joke about her, so I didn't know why she was leaving. <clears throat> but... Um, after this story, a major revival uh, started in Ethiopia when this guy got back home. Yeah. So this guy's story is, you know, he's a, he's a foreigner. He's, he's got a long journey. He's a long way from God. He has to bear his own expense to get to find out about God. When he gets to Jerusalem, the guy is a foreigner. So, you, you know, the temple was primarily designed for Jews to worship God. Now, there was an, an outer court that was for foreigners to come and have some kind of religious affiliation to learn a little bit about God. But this this Ethiopian eunuch, when he gets to the place, he's a eunuch. That means he's been injured by someone else, he's had something taken from him that actually prevents him from entering even the temple courts. So this guy travels 1,500 miles to get to a place where he can hear about and learn about God. And he can't even get in the building. He can't even get in the front yard. Yard, lawn, court, something like that. He couldn't get there. So my point is simply this. Here's a guy looking for God, and he can't get there. Not only will people not help him, they're actively keeping him away from God because of his nationality, because of something that happened to him that he had no control over. And, and so, as I think about the Ethiopian eunuch, I think a lot about this statement I hear all the time from people, especially people going through difficult seasons. And it's this statement, God is silent. I can't hear what God's saying. It's like he's not talking to me. I'm struggling, and where's God? What? The problem. I want you to see that here's a guy in the Bible who wanted to get close to God, wanted to learn about God, and he gets turned away because of his nationality. He gets turned away because of a condition that wasn't his fault. He can't get close to God. And here's what most people do when they try to reach out to God and he doesn't immediately answer, strike lightning in their front yard or raise someone from the dead in their presence. Most people at that point, when when they feel like God is silent, they immediately go right back to whatever they were doing before. They say things like, I tried God. What they don't throw in there is, I tried him for like 10 minutes. I tried him for a week. I tried him for a month. I tried him for a year. And he never answered. Those are the kind of things that that come out. But here's what we see from the the Ethiopian eunuch. When Philip runs alongside the carriage, the guy is reading out of the book of Isaiah. And you're like, well, that's no big deal. He just popped up his an app. And he was reading out of Isaiah. The only way that dude was reading out of the book of Isaiah is if he had purchased at incredible expense a scroll of Isaiah while he was in Jerusalem. A handwritten by the scribe scroll. A year's salary wouldn't touch the thing. This guy spent all of this money. What most people would have done when they got to Jerusalem is they said, Well, I couldn't even get to God. That's on God. That's not on me. I'm out. But what this guy said, I can't get to God. I can't even get in the front yard of the temple. But I can spend everything I got to get a scroll that has God's word on it. And I can keep trying. To hear from God. I can keep pressing in to see if God will show up. The Bible says in verse 30 that Philip ran over and said, do you understand what you are reading? What the Ethiopian eunuch did is when he couldn't hear God, rather than walk away, he listened harder. He listened harder. Can you write that down? Listen harder. Type it in your phone. Make a note somewhere that when God is silent, God's not the problem? The Bible says this in Hebrews 12, 25. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. Who is speaking. Now what that tells me is is there's a God in heaven, on earth, everywhere. He exists in all places, at all points in time, and He's always talking. Their God radio is always on. No commercials, just God. And He's always speaking, and He's speaking to you, and He has things to say to you, and He wants to to touch you, He wants to heal you, He wants to restore you, He wants to love you, He wants to build you, He wants to discipline you to make you stronger and better and more powerful in your life. He's always speaking. And all of us, most of us are walking around our lives going, I can't hear God. I can't hear God. So my upbringing and my belief is that God's word is true. If you're not there yet, I respect that. And we, we've got some things that we are planning to do to help you in months. But I believe that the word of God, what the word of God says is true. When the word of God says God is speaking, that's all I need to know. I know that if I can't hear from God, the problem is not God radio station, God FM, The problem is Michael's radio. My cheap little transistor radio isn't picking up the Holy of Holies broadcasting on high. This Ethiopian unit got that, and rather than walk away angry, he tuned in. So here's the thing. Sometimes you can't get to God, and I get it. Sometimes it's your fault. Sometimes it's people trying to keep you from getting there. I get it. I respect it. I understand. But here's the awesome, wonderful, and true thing about God. When you can't get to God, God comes to you. He is the God who seeks and saves. He sent His Son to us when we had no way to get to Him. And so here's this eunuch, and I feel sorry for him. He's he's out in his carriage. He's trying to read Isaiah. Dude, I've studied Isaiah, and I have problems with Isaiah. I can't imagine what this guy's thinking as he's, he's studying Isaiah, he's an Ethiopian, his native language is not Hebrew, and I'm sure that's the language he was reading it out of, and he's trying to wrap his head around what's going on. So this guy's struggling, and God's God, because God doesn't, uh, God doesn't do nothing. Verse 26, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. You aren't waiting on God. God's waiting on you. You remember that. He's waiting on you. And in this passage, we see that here's this guy who's looking for God, and every opportunity he gave that he he would have expected God to show up had passed. And now he's on his way home, and everything had turned out differently, I'm sure, than he expected. Do you remember that story? There's a story in, in the Old Testament where a prophet, Elijah, is uh he's in a mess he's depressed he's he's ready to die and god says uh i've got some words for you and he sends him to a mountain and on the mountain earthquake comes and a storm and all these different things show up and happen and 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 after all these things show up then there's this still small voice and when the the still small voice happened then then elijah was ready to listen sometimes i think that's how life works god's got to send a few storms to get our attention so we can hear the still small voice, you know. And so here's this, this guy, this eunuch, who's trying to find God. And he's, of course, not struggling with the wind like I am today, but in, he's sitting there. And then God goes and gets Philip. You know, i got to make an aside here about Philip. Philip is in the middle of the coolest revival of his life when God shows up. There, God is, there is an outpouring in Samaria like nothing you've ever seen. And Philip's like there; he's at the center of it. I mean, it's it's exciting. And then God shows up and says, "Hey, Philip, I'm going to send you to nowhere." There's a guy there. I want you to. There's one guy there. I want you to. And to Philip's credit, because you know Nehemiah would have said, "I'm sorry, I'm busy. I'm building the wall. I can't come down," which was his, which was right for his moment. But to Philip's credit. Philip said, you know what, if God's going to call me back from a great work to go do something, it must be really important, and I'm going to trust God. So he does. Philip leaves the greatest revival's life to go to nowhere to talk to one guy. One guy who's a foreigner, one guy who has no access to God. My point is, is that God sent someone to him. Yeah, God was hard to hear. God was silent for the Ethiopian. Things did not work out as planned. But God was on top of it. Try not to have expectations of God other than He's going to show up. That's a good good lesson. He will show up. He will not show up the way you think. Write that down. He will not show up the way you think. Because a lot of times when we pray, we're like, God, here's what I need you to do. And we tell God how to do His job. And He knows how. He's been doing it a long time. He likes His job. And so I just want to encourage you to know that God will show up. And I love what happens. So, So Philip shows up, and and he asks the guy what he's reading. And the Bible tells us that he's reading the passage out of Isaiah 53. And I'll read it for you again. We just read it a while ago, but let's refresh. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants where his life was taken from the earth? I love how Philip starts. Philip starts with, What's your question? What's your question? <laughs> and I think, that's, I, think that's, I think that's really good of God. I, you know, I've been told in my life, I've heard it in many sermons, never question God. But that's not what happened with Job. God showed up and he let Job answer the questions. Did God answer the, the questions of Job's satisfaction? Actually, he did. His answer was, I'm God, Job. That was his answer. And if you think about it, that's really all the answer you need, right? But my point in, in this situation is the Ethiopian eunuch basically turns and says, he, he says, who is this guy? Who is this man in Isaiah 53 that, that lays down his life, that dies for others, that receives no justice, whose life is taken from the earth. And that's where Phillips takes the story, this amazing passage. I mean, really, of all the scrolls this guy could have picked up, and maybe he had the whole Old Testament, I don't know. Seems unlikely. But of all the scrolls he picked up, it had to be Isaiah. And of all the texts that he would be reading, Isaiah 53. I, I just want you to know, Isaiah 53 is a long way from the beginning of Isaiah. It's a long way in, and that's where he stumped, and he stops and he reads this to Philip, and Philip, you know, he'd just been preaching in Samaria, he'd been talking to people who were familiar with the history of Israel, familiar with the Old Testament, familiar with the first five books of the Bible, and, and now he comes and he's here's this foreigner who doesn't have that, likely does not have that familiarity, and now this guy's reading the passage about the guy that Philip had just spent the last three and a half years of his life with. He's reading a passage about Jesus who Philip gave everything up for, lost everything for, and received everything for, from. And so when he read that passage, I bet, Philip, have you ever been in a situation where you're like, I know that was God. You ever been like that? God just showed up. God put me here. God brought this situation to my life. Don't you know it's exactly what Philip's doing? I mean, yes, of course, God said, I want you to go to nowhere to see this guy you don't know. And and of course there's that. But there's also he's reading this text, and I bet Philip's like, Oh, I know this story. I'm ready. What if that was the only text Philip knew, just out of curiosity? Because a lot of you, I mean, a lot of us are like that. There are certain texts in the Bible that we love and we know. And wouldn't it be just like God to put us in situations that the text we're an expert on is the one we get to talk about? And I know you're like, well, I'm not an expert on any of them. No, that's okay. None of us are. The point is simply that he asked the question, who's this guy? And Philip had the answer. And the answer is... The good news you see that's where he starts he says the bible tells us that philip starts there and begins to tell him to preach to him to proclaim to him the good news about jesus christ and what is the good news that jesus accomplished everything you can't that jesus did for you what any more than you could ever do that jesus finished what we started That Jesus came and and gave us an act of mercy rather than an act of vengeance. You know, I just, Jesus should get your attention. Jesus should get our attention. Jesus should be enough. And he should consume our thoughts, consume our minds. We, We should. Part of being a Christian is dedicating your life and following Jesus Christ. This ain't a religion, dude. This is not about just adding Jesus on. I do some Jesus stuff and then I carry on my life and I add some Jesus stuff and I carry on my life. It's not like that at all. Jesus consumes your life. And Jesus tells us we wonder who God is. The Bible says in Hebrews 1.3 that the Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And He sustains everything by the mighty power of His hand. You want to know what God's like? You start with Jesus. Am I saying that God's easy to understand, easily comprehended? No. I'm saying Jesus takes that character and that radiance of God and He begins to translate it for us so we can begin a journey closer to God. A journey of, of finding out what God's like. We see Jesus' tenderness, and we know that God is tender. And we look at the Old Testament, and we see, yes, we see a lot of stories that looks like God is scary. And He is. But He's also very tender. He's very, very, did I say very, persistent? He's very Persistent. We see toughness in Jesus when he cleans out the temple, when he rakes the Pharisees over the coals. We see that toughness and we know, yeah, God, God is tough too, especially when he's fighting for his people. And I think every time we see Jesus get tough, that's usually what he's doing is he's fighting for someone. But when we look at Jesus and we see the sacrifice and the suffering and the surrender to the Father's will. We see in all of that this, this character, this nature of God. Why am I even telling you this? Because the idea that God is aloof, the idea that God is somehow disconnected from you, that He's uncaring, that He's sitting up with a big arms crossed in the sky waiting for you to mess up is bull. It's not true. The truth is is that this God who created mankind and created him to live in in relationship and empowered by God with God's wisdom and God's strength and God's power, this God who loves us so much has done everything to reach out to us. It wasn't God's God's, uh, plan, intent that man would rebel against God, that man would sin. What Adam did in the garden is what any human being would have done in the garden. It looks so simple looking back. Why would you eat the apple, dude? We don't even know if it's an apple, to be honest with you. We don't know what it was. <clears throat> we just know that what Adam did was an act of rebellion against God. And that's why there's sin in the world. That's why every single human being has to place their faith in Jesus Christ, repent of their sins, place their faith in Jesus, and follow Him doesn't matter how good you are you can be a good old boy god does not save good people god does not save good people god only saves bad people so i qualify that's the good news that's the good news and as soon as you and i can embrace the reality that we're bad that the reason we feel like all we can do is mess up is because all we do is mess up the reason we always get it wrong is because we always get it wrong. I mean, the reason all this is is because God is the only one that's actually good. Everyone else a train wreck. Right. Everyone else a train wreck. Right. But the good news is, is that Jesus paid it all. That there's an answer, and I couldn't get it right, but Jesus got it right. I I couldn't make my debt right with God, my debt of sin, my my debt of failure, my debt of punishment. I couldn't make it right, but Jesus could. What I owed, Jesus Christ paid. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. If you're ever going to be saved... Whatever your decision about Jesus, I, I can't make it for you and I don't fault you whichever way you go. I just know there's only one way. There's only one. And I know that sounds really limiting, narrow minded. I get it. I get it. The only reason I think that way is because that's what God says is true. In the Bible, it's what God demonstrates is true through the life of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. He demonstrates that Jesus is the only way. So today, it's today. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, it will also be today. But today, today today's a good day. Thirteen people are going to follow the Lord in baptism today. That's pretty good. God's good. And there's a whole lot of people in this gathering that have already done, taken that public act, right? If you've, if you've taken that step, let's do it. Just know it's the beginning, not the end. This is the first today. And tomorrow will be another today. And tomorrow you'll wake up, and tomorrow you'll follow Jesus, or you'll rely on your own strength. And you know how that's going to go. So take the opportunity of today. Take the opportunity to gather today as the church we get to gather. Believers, brothers and sisters in Christ come together. We need to stop acting like we're always going to be able to do church like this. We need to realize that this is a privilege that we get to do this. And we need to take those opportunities. We need to take opportunities to worship. Be careful of your assumptions about what worship is. If it gets your attention and focuses you on the Father, that's worship. It could be a scripture reading. It could be a conversation. It could be a song. It could be a, a country sounding song, a rock sounding song, a rap sounding song, or a worship sounding song. It doesn't matter. If it focuses you on the Father, that's worship. And we should take every opportunity we get. We should also take today as an opportunity to ask some of you need a miracle. Probably a lot of you need a miracle in your life. Today's a good day to ask for a miracle, isn't it? Some of you have, you have sit there and you've thought about Jesus Christ and you have like, well, yeah, I think it all sounds good. And you stopped right there. You didn't close the deal. You didn't say, hey, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm done with me and I'm following him. Today's a good day to ask God to save you. And the great thing about asking God to say, I, my, one of my favorite verses, Romans ten thirteen, whosoever call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, and that's all it says. It, it, it doesn't, that, that's the end of sentence. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I like that because I need saved a lot. Ask my wife, I get in trouble. I do things wrong, I make mistakes. And God is a God who saves. And the last thing, you know, to just kind of lean into Philip for a second. Today's also an opportunity to share. I never want to be the person keeping that guy far from God, from getting to God. I I don't want to be those temple police who make sure that no one gets in, that isn't supposed to get in, isn't allowed to get in. I don't want to ever be that guy. I want to be the person who's like, hey, there's Jesus. Let's go. What are you reading? What are you struggling with? Let's talk about it. And let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you what God has done for us. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit can do in you. Today's a great day to share. Maybe you are God's way for someone else to get there. Maybe that's you. It is great to be part of the church. It's great to be a Jesus follower because it gives us all these opportunities today to do something awesome. Let's pray. Worship team. Father God, thank you. Thanks for today. This is a good day. It's a beautiful day. Thank you for uh, that crisp, cool water that we're about to step into. (laughs) That overwhelming experience that reminds us what it's like for a God who is a consuming fire to fill our lives and totally redirect everything in it toward him. I pray, Lord, today for every life that's here. I I pray for the miracles. I know some people that need miracles that are here this morning. Lord, we want to see that. We want to worship together and bring heaven into this place and see God walk among us and do his thing. And I also pray for those lives that are on the fence. And they're like, I don't know yet, or I'm not ready yet. Lord, I pray that they're today. I pray it's today. But I pray that their today comes very soon. That they might encounter a God who cares. And a a church family who cares. And they might begin to live every today with new reason and purpose. Help us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.